yeah welcome welcome everyone uh this is um our proactive session on everything you need to know about pcos so a high thing to promise <laughs> and hopefully with um experts that we have on this panel we actually can promise these things so i would uh, like to begin by introducing uh, our three panelists um we'll start with uh, pooja pooja is the nutritionist on this panel so hi pooja thank you so much hi, for uh, being part of this thank you for having me rashi yeah and uh, pooja has got a really interesting background she sent me uh, her a little bit about herself and i'm just going to share that with you so pooja jwani is an integrative nutritionist who works with women who have hormonal issues and she's a graduate from university of oxford She started her career in banking and worked in the UK for 10 years until she hit a roadblock with her health and infertility issues. Having dealt with the hormonal issue close up and finally curing it, she got fascinated by the innate intelligence and capacity of our body to heal itself. And then she decided to dedicate the rest of her life to understanding how this really works. She's done a 3-year course in nutrition from the College of Naturopathic Medicine UK and has got certified in yoga. This is so cool. <laughs> This is just really fascinating. Um she works now full time as an integrative nutritionist and under her venture Women Wellness First, she's worked with hundreds of women who have hormonal issues like PCOD, perimenopause and infertility. And she has a YouTube channel you can check it out. I'll be sharing her information at the end of the session. Um so yeah, this um you know, I honestly when I first went through Pooja's Instagram, uh, I was impressed most of all by her attention to detail in the conversation around nutrition and just the kind of sensitivity with which she's dealt with like talking about things where usually you hear very blanket terms like hang off dairy go off this go off that <laughs> so i really enjoyed that i'm really excited to see what uh, pooja has to say about the things we're going to discuss today thank you yeah. that is very sweet of you rashi yeah uh, next we have anjali anjali pal um who has been a long time supporter and patron of uh, proactive she is um she's anjali dr anjali pal is an md she is a specialist in dermatology and aesthetics she's done her mbbs from st john's medical college bangalore and post graduation from sain hospital mumbai she's done fellowships in general dermatology and lasers from national skin center singapore and in dermatology dermato surgery from calcutta she has years of experience as a consultant in various clinics and multi-specialty hospitals in Mumbai and Calcutta and now she's currently practicing in Amritsar so uh, honestly like again i could say so many things wonderful things about anjali she is not only a wonderful uh, dermatologist very like knowledgeable but she's also very interested in making things accessible and less scary which i think is a huge <laughs> bonus <laughs> So thank you so much Anjali for agreeing to thanks. do this session with us. Yeah, thanks Ashi. And uh yes, last but not the least definitely we have Dr. Ankesh Sahitya. So Dr. Ankesh uh we first got to know again through Instagram and through his profile which of course I will share with everyone. Uh and he is a very I think one of the things that I appreciated most about Dr. Ankesh is that he has a very frank and you know direct approach to talking about these things and i think that's exactly the kind of specialty we need where it's not like someone's going to be like 
this is a death sentence or anything. So just to introduce uh, Dr. Ankesh as well, he has many, many qualifications. He's a DNB, DGO, MBBS, MNAMS. He is practicing in Mumbai and he's also, uh, he's done his house surgeon residency at Naurosji Vardia Maternity Hospital in Mumbai. And he was a house surgeon at RN Cooper Municipal General Hospital. He has also done his second DNB registration at Leelavati Hospital and has, uh, is a specialty medical consultant at Bandra Baba Med Hospital under Dr. Udyan Palnitkar. And he has also got a specialty training in ultrasound training, fellowship in advanced laparoscopy, and has performed over 200 diagnostic laparoscopic surgeries and laparoscopic tubal sterilizations at various BMC hospitals. So thank you so much, Dr. Ankesh, for agreeing to do this, have this conversation with us. And we're thrilled to have you be our uh, specialist and gynecologist for this session. Thank you. thank you for the introduction. Thank you so much. And thank you. keen to start. Yes, let's get started. Uh, sorry, I always forget to do this, but um, my name is Rashi. We are proactive for her and we are a platform for that advocates uh, empowered women for and talks about sexual and reproductive health. We have a telemedicine consultation platform and I will be sharing more details about all of this at the end. So let's now just get to it. Um, so the first question you know, that I'd like to begin with, and this is the most important one, uh, is, is PCOS my fault? And why is everyone asking me to lose weight? So uh, Pooja, if you could take the lead on this, and of course, doctors, um, you know, please feel free to uh, add your perspective as well. Uh, yeah, so um, this is the, one of the most frustrating thing that uh, uh, women who have PCOS hear from um, the specialist that they go and see once they get diagnosed with PCOS is that they should lose the weight. Um, so it is a blanket statement, which actually does not make it very clear as to, you know, how to lose the weight, um, when to lose the weight, how, uh, you know, what, 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 why is it that um, losing weight will actually help in curing my problem? Um, there is obviously a technical reason for that is that when you are obese or you're overweight, then your fat cells actually uh, release a lot of estrogen, which then can impact um, it, on um, PCOS symptoms showing up. Uh, however, um, the underlying hormonal imbalance is what is causing the weight gain. So, you know, the hormones, progesterone, estrogen, they are not releasing in the way they should. And when they go out of balance, you know, thyroid is a bit underactive. What happens is that your metabolism slows down and you start putting on all this weight. So, uh, and PCOS also shows up around the same time. So it's not because you are overweight that you actually, um, you know, cause this problem of PCOS. It's the underlying hormonal imbalance, which then um, started uh, making the weight go up on scale uh, very rapidly. Uh, because in uh, cases of PCOS, you would see that the, the, uh, the girls are actually under eating and they're over exercising as well, but still they are not able to lose the weight. And that is because they have an underlying issue of hormonal imbalance, which is basically uh, putting the body under a lot of stress and it's uh, the signaling of the hormones is not happening properly. And that's where the weight gain is happening. So I would say that uh, rather than blaming yourself that you did 
something wrong and that you ate something wrong because of which you are you're being lazy and you're not exercising enough and you're not eating the right thing and because of which you're not able to shed the weight and that's why you're not able to cure the PCOS i think it would be better if you look at it from this point of view that there is something wrong inside my body and uh, weight gain is actually a symptom of that so uh, there is some root problem because of which the weight gain is happening and you can equate the weight gain with acne and hair fall and all the other symptoms that you have with pcos so it is a symptom it is not the reason for your pcos so please uh, stop blaming yourself that oh i am overweight and that's why i have pcos there is an underlying root cause of the of the problem and try to figure that out as to what it is you know what happened in the last couple of years which actually caused the pcos issue for you you know did you move out of the country did you move to a new place did you start eating a lot outside um did you go through a traumatic event in your life did you go through a breakup did you went you know go through something very stressful in your life that could have triggered the pcos for you so it's not that it's only the eating pattern which is actually causing pcos so i think it's very important as a takeaway message is that pcos is uh, weight gain is a symptom it's not the reason why you are having pcos so uh, so going to the root cause and trying to figure that out is would be the right approach for this i think right thank you and also a lot of people tend to uh, call pcos like oh it's like uh, you're getting punished for being lazy and you're getting punished for you know so would you say that that's not the that's not the case because it is a the symptom is weight gain which comes with fatigue which comes with lot of mood swings which comes with a um, lot of depressive episodes as well during this so you just don't feel like getting up and doing things for yourself you just don't feel like that you are in the right position because you don't have enough energy inside you that you actually go and do this workout for yourself or you start you know uh, doing certain things um it could be a micronutrient deficiency something like which i very commonly see in my clients is a deficiency of vitamin d iron levels and b12 and these all three factors they can actually you throw your body completely into into a such a disbalance that you would think something's really wrong with me once you fix the vitamin d you fix your iron levels you fix your b12 and then once you have the energy back in your body the vitality comes back that's the time when you then intensify the kind of exercise you're doing or the, you know work on your diet and make sure that you're eating the right things and you're sleeping and so those comes they all these are things which will come later but if there is a you know if there is so much fatigue in your body how is it that you know you would actually get up and get get to do things that you should do for pcos i think it it really puts in puts you in a vicious cycle and then it puts puts more stress and you feel really good for nothing and you feel that you're not you know you're not able to overcome this problem because you're not able to lose the weight but that's not the case i think the root cause is something different and that's what needs to be looked at yeah i i think this conversation definitely we're going to try to sort of shift the focus or the obsession that pcos leads to just being focused on weight loss Absolutely. uh dr nkesh and anjali what would you like to add to this i okay let anjali go first uh no i i don't have anything specific to add to this yeah pooja okay. said most of it and i'll i'll just jump the line yeah so i agree with every word uh, pooja said and you know it's so sad you know like uh, uh you know we've become a referral center for pcos in mumbai now so i get patients now who have invariably been to three or four senior eminent gynecs before me and i'm the young uh, male gynec on the block you know i get to hear this every day at least twice a day 
एंड एवरी वन चोल बी डॉक्टर वी गो टू आर डॉक्टर जहां पे देर इज वेटिंग ऑफ फिफ्टीन ट्वेंटी पेशेंट वी एंटर एंड दे शू बी ऑफ इन टू मिनट्स और फॉलो अप कंसल्ट से गो गो लूज वेट लूज वेट लूज वेट तो आई थिंक पूजा मैंशन दर्ड दैट वेट गेन इज अ सिमटिम of of pcos is that right pooja you said that right yes, yes that's right so that that's such an important thing for every one to tell all their patients because the patients are made to feel that because they are fat they are pcos no because they are pcos they are fat so that's one point from pooja's uh, intercept i want to uh, just highlight that's very good and again this is a holistic approach like today's panel is so nice you have a nutritionist a gynec and a dermat sometimes i would also like you to mention you know to have a, another panel in the future with a psychologist Or someone who's a good counselor, because yeah. what, I, what I'm noticing now, you know, with with the smartphones and Instagram and uh, Photoshop, you open up your phone, you will see ten uh, girls in uh, swimsuits and bikinis and on beaches and uh, these uh, these Instagram followers, influencers, whatever they are called. Now every girl can't be like that. Every girl is not comfortable in her skin. No one, even even men are not comfortable in their skin. Forget women. And imagine a girl who's fourteen, fifteen. and you asking her to compete with someone like this she will never be happy with herself she will never find herself enough she'll always feel insufficient mm-hmm. and that's not good for your mental health if you don't know how to love yourself how will you love somebody else i think that's a brilliant starting point for this conversation uh, around pcos and sort of trying to pin what is at the root cause and i i think one part of it definitely needs to be addressing uh, the self loathing and um, the depression that comes with um, the diagnosis and uh, before we move on to the next question i just want to add that uh, yes we definitely wanted to have a mental health professional as well but there were already three people and uh, we felt that perhaps it would then you know we'd have to set it up like a two hour it's session yeah you've already done very well it's no no but i do want to add yeah. that uh, as someone who so I I have a background in sociology and I've also had PCOS for 4 years. I've read every piece of literature that I think exists on PCOS. And as I was telling Anjali, we've had a lot of sessions in the past as well. And one of them was on mental health and I'll be happy to share the link at the end. Um and I I completely agree with what both of you have said that um not only does the weight gain is is like a symptom but it also is so much harder to Uh, lose that weight simply because that's how PCOS is set up. So to probably mm-hmm. also not be as disheartened, even if you are putting in the effort and you're not noticing results immediately. Um, but yes. Your volume, Rashi. So sorry. Uh, so yeah. So the next question is: uh, Are there different kinds of PCOS, and what are their symptoms, and how re- different are treatments really? So for this, we'd like to start with uh, Dr. Ankesh, and of course, Anjali and Pooja, if you'd like to. Yeah, sure. This. So I go first. Yes. Yeah. So now you know there's a, a little school of thought. Uh, some patients, uh, some some centers, ultrasound centers, some labs, they mention the word PCOS, and some mention PCOD. now let me be the first person to tell everybody whoever doesn't know or know it it is the same damn thing yeah. now, now yeah. the word now in uk in uk they often use the word syndrome you mm. know but in the us they use the word disease now unfortunately our country is not had the best example of individuality so uh, people who have read foreign authors from uk use the word syndrome from us use disease is the same damn thing now now basically what do we see over here now the 
So now there's something called as the kind of PCOS. Now I would like to divide it into two parts. Either you could be a lean PCO or obese PCO. And let me inform you, both are equally difficult to treat. You might have a girl who's very skinny, very fit, absolutely. You know, you can look at her at a party and say, wow, what a figure. But she might be having irregular periods. She might be having uh, other symptoms like acne, hair growth, things like that, hirsutism. But the but obese PCO is something that is quite different. You can have severe insulin resistance, but both primarily have irregular periods as a um, common factor. Now, some patients might have hirsutism, some might not have hirsutism. Some might have acne, some might not. Mental symptoms you see more often in the obese PCO as a combination of the social anxiety a little bit. You know, we have, we have patients who come to us who are 110 kgs. I've had maximum 153 kg, 153 kg patients. So I've kind of seen, seen the real struggles. And unfortunately, the, the weight gain also hampers the period cycles. I've had patients, I've had one patient who came to me with one month, one year, no periods, one year. And because of that one year, no period, she's had water retention, uh, you know, the places you don't want to gain weight, you gain weight over there, your abdomen, your arms, breasts, hips. Uh, it's the apple kind of obesity. And then, you know, it's really, really uh, difficult. But again, there are no kinds of obesity. There are different variants of how much you can get affected. Some have all the components. Like, for example, I would reiterate weight gain, uh, irregular periods, acne, abnormal hair growth, hirsutism. Some have all these four or five. Some might have two or three out of these five. But the, the combined thing is the you have to support a diagnosis with an ultrasound, depending on the ovary, the ovarian uh, structure on the ultrasound, the ovarian size and volume and the appearance. And also, uh, most important is the blood count. If you have a raised insulin level, if you have imbalance with the LH, FSH, you might have the male sex hormones, the androgens raised, prolactin raised. So it varies. Now, I've seen patients with all abnormal, all abnormal hormones. I've seen somebody with hormones normal, but very bad ultrasound. So it's all about good history taking. But there are no kinds, there are different variants and different severities of PCOS. But again, if you want to divide, then I would say lean PCO and obese PCO is a stark difference because the treatment varies slightly. Yeah, and thank you so much for like shedding light on this. There's definitely a lot of confusion because there's this stigma where someone who's thin might say, oh, I have PCOS. And then someone or the other will always say, oh, but you don't look like you have PCOS. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd love to like dispel that. Um, so yeah. yeah, this happens. This happens a lot. Yeah. Um, Pooja, what would you like to say about this? Uh, yeah. So different kinds of PCOS. Um, uh, yes. Uh, what Dr. Rankesh just said uh, makes so much sense that you know the thin PCOS is as prevalent as as the the other one. Uh, but there is another way to categorize this would be to look uh, from if you're looking uh, at it from the root cause point of view then um, there, is a, there, is a, there is a type of PCOS which is also called adrenal PCOS, which is caused because of high stress. So, you know, you have uh, gone through a traumatic event, some death happened uh, of a close one in your family, uh, or um, something traumatic happened which you, because of which you have been very stressed, uh, because of which your adrenals are overworking. So it's pumping in a lot of adrenaline in your body. And uh, when what happens is when you're too stressed, uh, for a very long period of time, uh, <clears throat> you are in a fight and flight response. So you want to either fly that situation or fight that situation for which you need a lot of energy. So when you need a lot of energy, what happens is this body starts pumping a lot of insulin in your body because it, it thinks you need the energy to run from the situation. 
So when you're in a perpetual state of stress, your adrenals are overworking. There's a lot of adrenaline which is flowing in your in your body, and which is then pushing your insulin levels to go up. And that is also a, a very commonly seen uh, type of PCOS, uh, where you've been stressed because of some reason. Insulin levels have been consistently up because of that. You've not been sleeping properly, and you've not been eating properly. And then that then starts uh, showing up in the form of PCOS. So that's also one of the type of PCOS, which is adrenaline PCOS. Uh, there's another one which is called um, hormone, hormonal pill-induced PCOS, in which you, if you have been on uh, oral contraceptive pills for a very long time, um, then that can also trigger uh, symptoms of PCOS. And it, that, that is easily correctable because as soon as you come off the hormonal pills and you start exercising and eating properly, you uh, actually recover from that kind of PCOS uh, more quickly. So that's one of the less dangerous ones. But yes, these are the other three uh, types which which need to be looked at. Yeah, yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Uh, there really needs to be more awareness about these distinctions because mm-hmm. everyone thinks that, uh, like we said in the earlier question, that these are only stress-induced or only laziness-induced for some reason. But and of course, there are also so many, uh, you know, hereditary. Uh, yeah, sort of, it, it is often hereditary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now, I mean, Dr. Ankesh has sort of spoken about this a little bit, but uh, it would be great to kind of really get into this, which is what should I make of my ultrasound and lab reports? Um, and what should I really be asking? What are the questions that as a patient with PCOS, I should be asking? Yeah, sure. I can start. So basically now, again, very, very over-diagnosed. Now, you know, various labs, uh, very reputed, big, big labs, I can't take the names over here, who are doing health checkup packages, you know. Mm. And there's a package for like 4999 and 7999 with everything done. And everyone is having an ultrasound done, abdomen pelvis. Out of 10 patients, 8 have polycystic ovaries on ultrasound. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) including myself once. (laughs) That's absolute bullshit. I'm very sorry to say, but this has become like a printed format on the laptop. So just press print. And it's really sad it's happening in our country. And it's quite known among the eminent doctors. So uh, basically, the the sonography of choice, first of all, people should know is the internal pelvic ultrasound. Okay. You cannot see the ovaries as good as you can see an internal ultrasound. Abdominal ultrasound for a woman who's anyways got PCOS, is chubby, he's got abdominal fat. If you're going to try to see your ovarian volume through that, all the best. I being a doctor doing sonography every day, doing an abdominal ultrasound to see the ovaries is not the easiest job. You have to have a full bladder, you have to have large ovaries to have a good image. So first, pelvic ultrasound, if the ovarian volume is above 10 ml. Now remember, it could be even a multi-cystic ovary, multiple number of cysts. Now, polycystic means what? Poly means many or more than five in some languages. When you have multiple cysts, each cyst between two to nine millimeters, remember, multiple cysts at the periphery, at the periphery of the of the ovary, at the cortex, at the outer part of the ovary, like a string of pearls, two to nine millimeters, as if they were arrested while growing. They are called atritic or dead follicles at the periphery of the ovary. And the ovarian volume. Now, the maximum I've seen is 29 ml in my career. 29 ml or 28 ml. So, above 10 ml with this particular consistency is there. Also, these patients will have an irregular endometrial lining if they have irregular periods. They'll have a very thick lining or a very thin lining. They won't have a proper triple endometrial lining because they have anovulation and low progesterone. PCOD is a hyper-estrogen condition, which is not good for your periods again. That's the ultrasound. 
Now again, we see blood reports. Again, the same lab to the PCOS panel, PCOD panel. Now, what are the essential blood tests for irregular periods? LH and FSH. If your LH hormone is uh, the ratio of LH upon FSH is close to 3 is to 1. Yes, you require the oral contraceptive pills if your ratio is that high and you have irregular periods. The other hormone, which I call the mother of all hormones, is prolactin. Now, people do prolactin and nobody explains to them what it means. Prolactin is the hormone that can completely inhibit ovulation, inhibit your chances of getting pregnant. When is prolactin raised? In patients who are stressful, hyper, irregular sleep, poor patterns of sleep, late time of sleeping, too much of digital equipment, overstressed, overthinkers, junk food eating, uh, people who have been on medicines like antacids, anti-anxiety pills, acidity medications, hypertensive medications, patients who have history of thyroid, prolactin will always be high and you'll always have a problem in ovulation. Then the hormone TSH, you can have a combination of thyroid and, and the PCOD together, which is usually what we see in practice. Uh, depending on your amount of your acne, facial hair, Typically on the jawline, jawline, upper lip, lower lip, chin, around the breast, around the nipple areola, on the center of the abdomen. Uh, we've seen cases that are so bad that girls have to actually, you know, wear a mask. Forget about COVID-19. They have to wear a mask normally if they haven't shaved their uh, thing. So there are all kinds of hirsutism and these girls eventually require to go to a gynec and a dermat together. So the male sex hormones, I would again reiterate, are the serum uh, total density testosterone, serum androstenedione. DHT, dihydrotestosterone, and 17 OHP. Depending on the, the, the severity, you can do all or you can do a few of these hormones. So again, LH, FSH, prolactin, TSH, and you can't forget insulin. Insulin, when very high, very raised, it indicates insulin resistance. That means the insulin is being produced in hyper amounts, but it's not able to act on the cells. The cells are resistant to it, and that causes excessive weight gain. Actually, a girl who's so small could look broader with high insulin resistance. So, these are the hormones along with the ultrasound, which I think you can you can do as a diagnosis, complete diagnosis for your PCOD. That's all. Anjali, do you have any uh, suggestions to add to this? Because uh, a lot of the hormones also then affect. Yeah, the so uh, that's what. So usually patients come to me with just the ultrasound report, or they think the ultrasound is enough. Uh, so it's not always really clear with just the ultrasound. So because as you know, as he said, you may or may not have uh, multiple follicles in the ovary. It may not be clear, but your hormonal uh, test may be, you know, uh, up and down here and there. So, so it's a combination of these things with your clinical examination. So again, uh, what he's already mentioned, we look for the thick hair growth, the, you know, with the abnormally thick black dark hairs on the chin, the jawline, sometimes extending to the neck, down the midline from, you know, between the breast to the abdomen. Um, on the lower back as well, on the thighs, you know, excessive abnormal areas of uh, hair growth. Yeah. So that uh, indicates PCOS or some other uh, hormonal imbalance. Acne, which is not responding to regular treatment, or which is just recurrent and very severe. Cystic acne, what we call, right? So again, that's like big, painful, pustular acne. Pimples that come usually more on the jawline again. Um, that's also seen on the chest and on the back sometimes. And um, thinning of hair, of course, usually uh, people also have female pattern hair loss, which we call female pattern hair loss. That's genetic, but PCOS, uh, in ladies with PCOS, we would have little excessive or more severe hair loss, you know, or severe thinning of hair. Basically not hair loss, but thinning of hair over time. So abnormal hair growth, hair loss where you want, <laughs> where you want the hair growth, uh, acne, which doesn't respond to regular treatment, 
and uh, yeah the acanthosis that is the darkening the pigmentation yeah. of the neck uh, the folds of the arms the underarms the groins also in severe cases yeah and then again with obesity usually you would have skin tags like someone was asking skin tags so you would have your pieces like just extra pieces of skin like you know around the neck area or even on the face underarms all those are common in obese patients yeah which again that's is genetic that's one thing i forgot about very well anjali said that you know we get girls who have the hair growth and acne and they have like actually like you know i would say the word is velvet to like dark brown creases on the side of their neck they would yeah. like and groins and again you know because of uh, the current example of all the all the all the glamour models on social media who are absolutely hairless and scarless so they this this is makes so it even worse for them okay, why do that's they have pretty to? distressing yeah, yeah yeah so you know the this is uh, the i wanted to add the whole social the whole social tension the peer pressure is because of the cosmetic outlook these girls if they are thin and they have no uh, acne and no hair growth they yeah, would follow much more their periods <laughs> the actual the actual issue is the periods but they they the dermatological part is so important now so even more so with with the current scenario and the nice cameras on the phones and photoshops and all that it's really gotten disturbing for the girls who can't look like what they think they're supposed to look like so i would say the dermat aspect is getting more important year by year Yeah, I want to just uh, I just want to add Dr Ankesh was saying internal pelvic ultrasound but I think practically you can't really do that right in someone who's not had intercourse before in younger women who are not used to an internal ultrasound that's you practically difficult yeah you wouldn't do that I mean, regularly if she's a if she's a virgin yeah. you cannot do it there's no question you would not and then it's not the most comfortable test so unless there is but you know, you know at all you know our indian textbooks are so regressive i have a textbook with me on in my indian i can't name the author right now he's actually said for for married women internal ultrasound for unmarried abdominal ultrasound <laughs> but but do you know in my practice forget my practice anyone's practicing you know in any like city like mumbai delhi uh, bangalore calcutta anywhere in india for example when the girl comes with her parents or a mother in the consulting if you ask her she sexually active you can't even ask her because the mother is talking the most the mother steps out or the girl is with, with you and the staff nurse behind the examination table curtain she says no i'm sexually active i'm sexually active it's okay you can do internal ultrasound so it's very important to take the patient alone and ask them the question if the patient is sexually active if the hymen is broken you should do an internal ultrasound you will have a better diagnosis of course then of course uh, you know the, the you will spill her beans uh, next to her mother and all you can't do that you got to be careful about that but uh, i think now with india being more and more westernized Uh, taking a good sexual history in the patient, the patient's alone with you in the cabin is also important. But yeah, if it if the patient is genuinely a, a virgin, not sexually active, then abdominal ultrasound is the only option. You can't do a ultrasound with the hymen intact. You can't internally. Okay. Uh, before we move on to the next question, I just want to add that uh, I think that's a very important thing to note. But also, uh, sorry, Doctor Ankesh, I have just one small thing to add. here which is um that it's it's completely important to of course you know have a honest conversation about a patient sexual history but it's probably not as westernized as one would uh, as you i i, <laughs> I mean I, I, it's this is I, india I, I, we, we have the biggest population no 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 and, I, i'll tell you what the problem is now you know it's it's all about how you approach the patient and you ask them i've had i've been surprised in my cabin i cannot tell you how often from the age of 16 17 18 we have patients 
of course the parents don't know they know, the kids do want the parents to know it's not even good for them to know but with every generation i'm seeing things are different now yeah no completely yeah. completely yeah. agree i think we're going to have to have a completely separate yeah. webinar for this <laughs> yeah because again mumbai is not representative yeah. of india <laughs> that's yeah, oh my god yeah that's true that's not true yeah, yeah but you know i'm really glad that we did speak a little bit about how uh, upsetting the dermatological concerns can get because quite often because they're visible uh, they often get the most attention but you know uh like you said most women may not even notice that their period is highly irregular which is why we want to first have that conversation right like how important is a regular period really uh from a gynecological angle and also um you know what are the lifestyle and diet changes that directly impact my period and of course we will come back to the conversation around the birth control pill so uh you know but but just in isolation like how important is it and also just before uh, dr you uh, you know answer that i want to share the uh, poll that we had shared with people so i'm just going to end polling and uh, share results so uh, everyone can see um so very interesting how important is a regular period to you we've had 93% people <laughs> say that i would like my period regularly <laughs> Just I don't know what interesting. You know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, I'm also quite surprised by this uh, because I mean, if I had to answer, I would say it's not really important. Which is why I'd love to know from all of you, what is your medical opinion about the regularity of a period? So I I can go for this. So uh, I can't stress more on this. I can't stress more on this. Uh, if you have a woman coming to you with PCOD who's intending to start a family. or is newly married or wants to know uh, about contraception about the rhythm method about not planning a child or planning a child vice versa i cannot tell you how important this is if you have a regular period you have a regular fertile phase if you have a regular fertile phase you have a safe and unsafe phase plus plus if you have if you have regular periods uh you you you'll know exactly how to track your cycle plan your work know your, know your know your schedule and be prepared for it so pcod basically does if it's if it's a kind of anovulatory pcod it makes your periods irregular plus not getting a period is definitely a big headache because not getting a period means where is the blood going it's been hidden in the body you end up getting bloating and water retention water retention leads to weight gain so isn't that important to not have weight gain because of a missed period so and and you know i've had these patients who are like you know very finicky about this weight about their weight they they tell me doctor i'm feeling bloated i'm feeling this and actually they weigh a kilo and a half more once they get their period a good period for 4 to 5 days and uh, they you know they've been uh, hydrating themselves passing urine adequately they feel 2 kg and they actually are a couple of kg lighter after the period so bloating because of missed periods because of uh, hormones because of pcos is a fact so getting regular periods for good hormonal health for good reproductive health is so important and uh, as far as fertility and regular reproductive health goes or even forget fertility just having a regular uh, period there's a book uh, there's a book called jeff cot and gynac in which the author from the 18th century he said that a regular period is like the red badge of femininity i don't know how uh, strong it would last now but you know things like that so having a regular period is so important and uh, in practice also we've noticed that Pooja, what do you, you define as regular period, by the way? Because girls are very troubled when you know five days this way or that way. 
I, I I recently made a video on this, so I'll tell you what it means. Regular bleed is not I bleed for five days or four days. Yeah, my friends bleed for five days, four days. No, you might bleed for a day. You might spot for the second, third day. That's not a regular period. Getting a period every month, which is within beyond twenty-one days or within thirty-five days, your cycle frequency is a regular period. After every twenty-one days, you should have your flow, or within thirty-five days, that is a regular period. If your period is within twenty-one days, it's not a regular period. Beyond thirty-five, not regular period. The the duration of flow and the number of pads you use doesn't decide your period being regular. The frequency and the timing decides is it regular. Okay, Pooja, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I think I'll completely agree with uh, Doctor Nish uh, uh, over here. Is that uh, basically, uh, from nutrition point of view, a regular period, basically a period, is a is like a report card of what's happening inside your body. So um, your hair and your period will actually tell you most about what's happening inside. If you're getting a regular period, then you know that everything is okay inside. This Uh, we have an extra tool. Uh, women have an extra tool to figure out if there's something internally going wrong by judging how the period is coming every month. Uh, men don't have that. Women have that, and they should use this as a tool to understand uh, how uh, everything is okay inside or not. So, if the period is not coming, there's definitely something wrong at a fundamental level inside, which needs to be corrected and addressed. You should not just think that oh, I don't have acne, I don't have any hair issues. It's just a period's not coming. Big deal. It doesn't matter. No, actually, it's it throws a lot of light uh, on what could be happening inside. Definitely. Got it. I'm so glad that you use the term report card because it actually just yeah. puts it in such an easy context to understand. Yeah. yeah. So so then you know of course uh, there are there's medicine to help with the regularity. But what about the lifestyle and diet changes? And I really feel like this conversation is super relevant now because we've just sort of come out of like that. intense pandemic induced lockdown where i think everyone's periods just kind of went into disarray and yeah, they got yeah. super irregular so even if someone didn't have pcos they were like suddenly thinking about like oh my god you know why is this not regular yeah and it tells it talks volumes about how uh, your subtle stress the subtle level you know you might be anxious for a while but then yeah everybody is locked down so it's okay you can still manage you were managing your work and everything else but at a subtle level somewhere there was some sort of anxiousness uh, when how long it's going to last you know how long are we going to be locked down and things like that and that was showing in your period which is shows you exactly how stress at a subtle level can impact your period uh, in the long run um, so stress i'll tell you how it works is basically um, digestion and uh, reproduction happens uh, when you have um, uh, when you are not stressed Uh, now imagine if somebody is stressed what, what is your first priority at that time if you have stress there in your body the uh, the first mechanism that body will uh, put in place is to run from that situation and when you are running from a situation you don't you don't want to be reproducing at that point so if what is a period period is actually um, a sign that of is expecting uh, you are expecting a pregnancy to happen every month when the uh, sperm and uh, egg does not fertilize you get a period at the end of the month but the whole thing is happening just for you to get pregnant in that month so what happens is that the body is very very sensitive to stress especially the periods so body thinks is very intelligent so if you are under eating for example and you are putting a lot of stress in your body 
body's going to think ah she's not eating properly she's also not sleeping properly she's little bit stressed maybe it's not the right time to reproduce so what it does is then it starts it basically suppresses your ovulation process it does not produce that egg so that you don't get pregnant because they don't want you to have a baby at the point when you are when things are not well uh, and this is a common thing that has been seen ancestrally also when you would have uh, huge famines and flooding uh, you know women would stop having their periods because they are not eating properly they are not well nourished body picks up this signal thinking that okay this is a high stress situation i don't want to reproduce at this point because i don't want to produce a uh, abnormal embryo so it shuts down it is a very intelligent process that it is doing that it actually shutting down to um, you know prevent the uh, pregnancy to happen but then nowadays what is happening is obviously a lifestyle is so stressed everything is so stress induced we are always on our phones and we are doing things all the time uh, body is thinking there is stress and that's why you see period irregularities so um, yes it is so stress will have an impact on your period 100% you you go through an exam you will miss your period that month you go through a something something very stressful in your life you will miss that period pandemic you will miss the period that's just an intelligent way of how body is actually coping with the stress mechanism right, body right. needs to rest and be in a state of flow for the period to flow and that's what happens so you have to be in sync with your body for that so yeah so like then the next question has to be you know like what do you recommend someone does to actually expend that energy and as you spoke about the adrenal adrenaline that's constantly coursing through one's veins because of this pent up stress um you know exercise is something that everyone is told but i'm sure there are other things to it as well uh, yeah i mean the first thing i would say is don't over exercise because that's what happens with most of the cases is that people uh, uh, girls as soon as they have pcos they have the weight gain they will start under eating and over exercising and that's like again sending a message of stress to the body that oh, actually she's over exercising she's over stimulated with with all these you know high intense exercises she's doing at the same time i'm not getting the food that i need to nourish myself you need the carbs uh, progesterone does not get made if there is no starch starch in the body and most of the girls are now avoiding the the rice in the night and things like that so you need the starch to produce progesterone so it's as simple as that that nourishment becomes really important and cutting down on something like going on a keto diet can impact your period uh, health in a big way because you are eating only one class of uh, of micronutrient and there's very less carb and women need the carbs you take away the carbs from a girl and you would know what will, what will happen you know in terms of how it impacts your brain functioning and how your cognitive skills get hampered and you have the severe mood swings that's because for body to function properly it needs the carbs so the good quality carbs i'm not saying go for the processed food and stuff like that but the good quality carbs is what you need and um, make sure that you have all the macros in your in your diet don't worry that it's going to make you put on the weight if you nourish your body with the right macronutrients body is going to pick up a message that hey now she's eating properly i think it's good time to have a period and it time and again i've seen that uh, there are some women who go for uh, these uh, intermittent fasting periods and then they have a missing period uh, after that because body is gone into stress because she's not eaten for 16 hours 18 hours in a day body thinks maybe not the right time to reproduce period shuts so you need to be eating regularly at least 3 to 4 hours um, to make sure that the, you're sending the right message to the body that hey everything is fine i'm getting enough food and i maybe you know it's the time to get the period 
So uh, important, please do not cut down on your uh, macros. Uh, do not over exercise or um, over exercise. Exercise is important, movement is important, but that's only 30 minutes. We don't need more than that. 30 minutes of movement, uh, sun exposure is really important. And again, sleep becomes really important because um, and this is again something that we see that uh, girls are up till 2 a.m. these days and then they get up late in the morning um, and then the whole, the, the whole uh, cycle is, is a little, you know, starts, uh, ends late and starts late. But the maximum recovery and hormonal imbalance that happens is between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So if you miss that uh, window of recovery between 10 a.m. and 2, uh, two uh, sorry, 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., then you've missed that window of recovery. And that also can have an impact on your uh, periods. So sleeping on time, getting up on time, you know, you can really um, change the game for yourself. Yeah, so there's actually science behind it. It's not just our parents. No, no, no. Yeah. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. I think this was a very important part. And um, yeah, and, and now I think we get into the the gray areas of PCOS discussion, which is birth control pills. We've got a lot of questions also about this. Uh, so I would love to know from all three of you, especially uh, Dr. Nkesh and Anjali, uh, what your opinion is on birth control. And just to give a general overview for those who may not be familiar, uh, birth control pills are sometimes the first uh, medicine given to solve the PCOS and also to sort of put a put a cap on the symptoms that uh, affect women visually, which are like the hair and skin symptoms. Um, so yes, what would you have to say about this? Dr. Nkesh. Yeah, so <laughs> I was hoping I don't go first, but see, if a patient has regular periods, if she only has uh, weight gain and she has a little bit of acne and hair growth, I would never give OC pills to birth control pills or OC pills, I can call them. So if a patient has irregular periods and she has hormonal evidence, she has a distinct difference between LH and FSH. Now, uh, I don't know what units we refer to, but LH being 15 and FSH being 5 is what I'm talking about. 3 is to 1 upon each other. You definitely require to give OC pills. Now, there are various kinds of OC pills. Let me inform you. The basic ones contain progesterone, estrogen, very simple basic. But the, if there are pills that are even important if you have acne. There are pills if you have water retention. There are, there, are, there, are, there are kinds of resistance called as uh, a rosperinone, which is very good for water retention and weight gain. There's something called as ciprodurone uh, acetate, which is there in your Diane 35. It's a very, very uh, famous uh, OC pill. I think everyone who's had PCOS for over a year knows what Diane and Doris are. So Diane 35 is something I give my patients if they have a LH, FSH imbalance, and they have the androgenic symptoms. If they have only weight gain, it's about Doris and rosperinone. Now, what is most important here is only if the patient has a difference in LH and FSH, if there's a stark imbalance, you give OC pill to regularize periods. But if a patient has regular periods and just weight gain and she has other hormonal issues, there's no damn reason to give OC pills. You have to avoid them as you can. They have their pros, but they do have their cons. I mean, if you open up a textbook and write side effects of OC pills, if you search on Google, you'll get more side effects than good effects. And We've had a lot of stories in the past history about the pill scare, post-pill amenorrhea, people having premature ovarian failure. That doesn't happen in regular practice if the patient is well monitored. But I would never give anyone OC pills more than six months at one point of time. After three months or six months, I would stop it, take a break, encourage lifestyle modification, which is weight loss, a good diet, exercise, and you know, being happy. Being happy is important. 
but keeping somebody on oc pills for one year two years is not the way to go ahead it's not done ever any anyone would do that if they cared for their practice and their reputation so if the patient deserves oc pills if he's earned it i use the word earned it because a report should 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 advise it to herself so that's all i would say so if required you have to if not avoid okay uh, dr anjali what would you have to say about the pros and cons of birth control pills in context of uh, the symptoms so, that most people come to you with yeah you so i don't prescribe oc pills myself anymore i mean we used to when i was in a government hospital during residency but now in private practice i prefer to refer to the gynecologist or an endocrine specialist okay so um, if someone has acne i and they don't have very obvious signs of you know abnormal hair growth and uh, very severe thinning of hair then i just treat the acne i just give what what i told you before i've spoken to you before about pimple antibiotics and i move to isotretinoin which deals with the acne per se right so i don't use oc pills to treat acne but if there are some very obvious signs then again i first tell them to do the ultrasound do the blood test and then go to a gynac or an endocrine specialist to tackle the pcos and they would probably give the oc pills again for for acne uh, oc pills that are given sometimes by dermatologists are dian 35 yasmin uh, those are common ones but i've stopped i don't do that anymore i refer to the specialist for oc pills um i again i don't give other hormonal medication for like for the abnormal hair growth uh, sometimes we give spironolactone uh, but again i've stopped doing that because i have uh, noticed they have that abnormal spotting during the period of they they feel a little bloating sometimes so i leave that to the other specialist i don't give them myself okay we've actually got a very interesting question um, so i'm just going to take it because it's super relevant to this question uh, this discussion which is hi i have lean pcos and i've never had an irregular period till now so how can i reverse my pcos i have diagnosed it 3 months back as i had severe acne and facial hair and the upper area of my neck and had become very dark so the gynec said to me to start with carpella hormonal pills so what do i do now i haven't started my treatment yes yet uh dr ankesh do you, i don't know what carpella which one that is i'm trying to i'm trying to hide under the table actually <laughs> so carpella is is the same as dian sort of the same i i think so i'm not sure it's a different yeah, yeah. i've never used it's the same now okay. again there are various schools of thought now every every doctor is good themselves i don't want to say anything bad over but i would not start oc pills over if the periods are regular if the uh, male sex hormones which i mentioned in the first question are regular i would not start oc pills i would refer to a dermatologist for the yeah, dermatologist yeah yeah just treat the acne and if the acne does not subside give it 3 to 6 months time you need to uh, you know you need to go through a course of acne treatment so i think the pcos were normal and the blood reports or the ultrasound all that was normal or something like that i don't know how she diagnosed with pcod but if you you can just go ahead and treat the acne Yeah. and it, again if you're lean and your lifestyle is good then with 3 to 4 months of treatment uh, with isotretinoin and with you know whatever step by step acne treatment it should improve and if it improves then i think you can leave it at that yeah. unless of course you you planning pregnancy and then you're not uh, getting pregnant then you would again go back and investigate with a gynecologist so that's what i would say if it's a young girl if you yeah. yeah but then i guess if someone's trying to get pregnant birth control pills will probably not be No, uh, again, sometimes it regularizes the periods, and if the ovulation also gets regularized uh, with that, so yeah, sometimes they go okay. through that if they have PCOS, yeah, and then wow, okay, yeah. learning so much. The one with lean PCOS, 
who says she hasn't had irregular periods, but she has severe acne and facial hair. So, um, uh, so based on maybe your blood test reports, your ultrasound and all that, what I would suggest, uh, the acne is the concern and the facial hair. So for the facial hair, the best treatment is laser. So before going ahead with the laser treatment, which is again the best option, I would suggest she consult a hormone specialist then, an endocrinologist, because there are other like serum testosterone levels may be high. Then you have to do some other investigation, some imaging or something else. It's not always just the ovaries, which are the source of the, you know, the abnormal hair growth, causing the abnormal hair growth. Yeah. Okay. But uh, before we go to the next, so the next question is actually about, as we were discussing, right, there's, there is a huge obsession around uh, lose weight. And it's often, like Dr. Nkesh said, the first thing that um, is thrown at women. And even in the poll, uh, we, just one second, I'm just going to share this. Um, people said, 86% people said that you have been told, they have been told that weight loss will fix their PCOS. And when asked, has weight loss cured your PCOS? Only 18% have said yes. Uh, whereas 82% actually said no. So clearly there is some, some sort of uh, imbalance. So, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, sorry, uh, Pooja, I really just wanted to know, you know, I wanted you to answer this question uh, to begin with, that is there really a difference between exercising and losing weight? Because they don't seem to go hand in hand necessarily with PCOS. And what is the biggest mis, uh, mistake or assumption that people make between these two? So uh, weight loss is, is one of the main uh... Uh, things that is there in um, as a priority for anyone who has PCOS because when I see PCOS clients and I ask them about their weight history, they can tell me their weight and how it has fluctuated in months. Like they literally have a chart and they'll tell you it is 88.2 and it is now gone up to this and gone up to that. So there, there is a, a major concern as far as weight is concerned and that becomes like the center point of, of um, how to address this. They think once we start losing the weight, everything else will then just automatically um, become okay. And But that's not the case. That, like I explained that because there's a hormonal imbalance, the body actually is trying to uh, store fat instead of uh, getting, uh, you know, getting rid of it. Uh, and then if you're on top of that over-exercising, uh, which is again very commonly seen as that uh, they'll be doing 10,000 steps, plus they'll be doing high intense exercises, functional workouts. And uh, most of these functional workouts, for example, um, you know, lifting weights and things like that, and doing really HIIT, which is the high intense exercise, actually pushes your testosterone levels up. Because these are really masculine exercises. And what we are trying to reduce is your testosterone level, because that's the main uh, driver for PCOS, is that you have high testosterone in your body. So when you are working in, in a corporate sort of a setup, which is very masculine, then you're exercising also, which is quite masculine. The type of exercise that you choose is masculine. Uh, and again, you have high testosterone in your body and high stress, then that becomes like a deadly combination uh, for, for the testosterone levels to even elevate even more. And then the weight gain actually happens even more and the, it just puts you in that vicious cycle. So choosing the right kind of exercise becomes really important. Consistency is important. So you have to do 30 minutes of exercises. You don't have to do very intense exercise because that can be quite detrimental to your um, body because you and there is a hormonal imbalance basically. So what you need to do is, uh, uh, pick up some restorative exercise, something like yoga or something like Pilates or just a walk. 
would do much much better for you than doing something very high intense because body is not in the right um, sort of a balance and um, you know what is the balance balance is basically if you hindi mein we say swast swast is swamistri so you're balanced from within where your masculine and your feminine is in balance um and if you have too much masculine energy being put out there forward because you are working in a corporate sector you're uh, clocking in the long hours you are um, you know doing everything that is quite masculine plus you're putting on the weight you, you know you you know that you are shifting more towards masculinity and that is then reflecting in terms of how high testosterone is coming uh, into play and that then starts reflecting in the form of pcos so that is what energetically is happening inside your body so one needs to be um, one needs to be very conscious of this that the kind of food they are picking again cannot be something which is available for men to lose weight keto diet okay go on a keto diet you lose all the weight and you become this muscular person that can apply to a man but on uh, unfortunately might not work on a woman because um it's not the right kind of diet for you you need the carbs you need the fat and you need the protein you need the sleep you need more femininity in your body and how do you encourage more femininity in your body is by doing more restorative exercises things which can balance your hormones from within so that's the natural way of looking at it and sometimes it just when i you know say something like this it just clicks in uh, you know uh, the girls that i talk to they like oh actually i didn't think like that because it's oh actually i'm very masculine from the kind of work that i'm doing and also the kind of exercise i'm doing so if i shift that focus and uh, uh, you know shift towards right kind of exercise um right kind of uh, mindset where uh, you know there is more creativity in your in your work and where you are loving yourself and you're not criticizing yourself that all really works in in bringing that feminine angle uh, back into your body and bringing that balance from within so um yeah so that is what i have to say about exercise be very conscious of what kind of exercise you're picking up for yourself it needs to strengthen you from the core um, but it does not have to then push the testosterone levels up that is really really important pooja you know this is a very interesting perspective on uh, exercise because you're right there are a lot of people who will push you to lots of different things uh but i i from what you're saying and i i just uh, correct me if i'm wrong but it sounds like what you've said is that your body you can't trick your body into losing weight you can't trick your body into being calm when you're not so you probably have to find your rhythm find the kind of exercise that actually energizes you and doesn't like stress you out more or cause you more testosterone in your yeah. body am i right yeah 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 Okay so I think that's a great metric to sort of keep in mind for people when they are uh, trying to make those lifestyle changes. Um incidentally there are also a lot of um yoga positions that actually help with thyroid and PCOS so I'm sure people should definitely look into that. Yeah. Um, you know continuing this so we're going to talk a little bit now about sort of long term actually sustainable practices that people can follow to manage PCOS. uh so we'll start with the nutritional practices and like i use the term sustainable of course it's important uh, the environmental aspect as well and we discussed this yesterday but um, I, what i mean is you know sometimes with pcos and i think a lot of people might relate to this so what happened with me is you get diagnosed you're like okay i'm going to read up everything i'm going to get this like sorted and then there's like a huge spike in the amount of efforts taken and then you find that that's really not the way your life was earlier so you find it really hard to keep up that pace and so then there's a drop you start feeling defeated you start kind of uh, not being able to keep that up which is why i want to ask you you know what are some uh, manageable not like 
overly drastic changes that one can make to manage PCOS for the long haul. Yeah, I think it's very important because you get tired if if it is something which which actually you have to fit in because you know if you are working full time and you have a busy house to manage and stuff like that. On top of that, if if you are have to look after your PCOS in a certain way, eat a certain way, um, you know, cut down on certain things, then it can really um, uh, you know it, it that means a lot of effort, right? It, it it is a lot of effort, and then if the results don't come then you can very well, you know, very quickly fall into this, it's not even working, so what's the point kind of thing. So there's some, I think you need to just stick to some very basic things. So basic thing would be, one would be sleep. So uh, I would guarantee that if you sleep at 10.30 and get up at 6.30 for a month, you would get a normal period. Is that it's how, you know, quickly the body uh, responds uh, to a good sleep. Uh, the second, I mean, that, that is easy. I mean, that is something that we keep pushing. And, you know, in the night, we actually don't do much of productive stuff. It's more about Netflix and binging, watching something on our phones and things like that. So cutting down on that and just saying, okay, sleep is important to me. This is my sleep time. This is my wake up time. will shift a lot of things for you. And I think that's an easy thing to incorporate. Um, the second thing is um, to uh, not go too away from what your family is eating. So trying to find a way of actually incorporating good nutritious food within what is being made at home. So uh, changing the kind of oil you are using, changing the kind of wheat, you're, uh, wheat flour you're using, uh, changing the kind of milk you're using. These are basic things that you can put in place easily, which are non-inflammatory. Uh, other than that, uh, stick to what is being cooked at home, but trying to pick more portions. So for example, if there are parathe in and I know that paratha is a big no, then what you can do is pick uh, some salad or uh, pick pick a couple of fruits and eat that first. And then after that, instead of having two paratas, you have one. But you're not changing the, I'm, you know, you're not, uh, you know, the nutrition is not asking you to say, uh, oh, you need to have quinoa or you need to have avocado and you have to have this. You have to source those things and then it becomes really tough for you. Just stick to whatever is there inside uh, in, in your home being cooked and just trying to fi find a way of how I can make this more nutritious. So making your plate, when you make your plate, then uh, just divide your plate into two portions. Half of the portion should be greens and uh, fresh veggies or uh, uh, salad. And um, quarter of it should be uh, good, uh, good quality protein and quarter should be carbs. That is, if, if that is how you're structuring your plate, which is possible with Indian food cooking that is happening around in your house at the time, at this time, then you're sticking to your basic stuff. You're cooking it in ghee and good, good quality oil and you're having your good supplements, you're having your sleep. Uh, these three things can really take care of most of the stuff. So you don't, uh, if it is complicated, the chances are it will not work. So if it is too going out of the way to make a plate for yourself, then it will not work. So try to fit in whatever um, is happening in the house and try to make it more nutritious for yourself. Sorry, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, that makes so much sense. And incidentally, like, if you end up eating more local and more like ghar pe hua khana, wow. you're probably going to be more sustainable in an eco-friendly way as well. Yeah, I mean, pick up um, the seasonal fruits. Whatever is in season is the cheapest yeah. because it's it's right there in the nature. It is getting produced in lots and it is cheapest. And just eat that. Yeah. Eat more of that. Sweet potato right now is in season. Eat loads of that now. Stop it when it goes out of uh, season. You won't see it uh, in the local at the local vendors because that stops selling. But avocado, which has been traveling from a distance, obviously will not 
do as good as a sweet potato at the moment would do so eat yeah. seasonal try to keep it more local and uh, eat as per your how your dadi nani ate i mean you can't go wrong with that yeah also just avoiding things that come in packets i find is a great yeah. way i mean if it's in a if it's in a plastic packet it's probably very processed that's a very useful like metric to follow you know because oh. Yeah, one more thing. It's a Maybe very good one, actually. And it when you two or three things, like one is not to eat packaged food. So anything which is coming out of packet is a no. So that obviously is a very easy one. Um, uh, and uh, the second one could be uh, something like no sugar challenge for a month. Okay, I'm not going to eat sugar for, uh, or I'm not going to get deliveries from outside. Uh, deliveries from outside is only allowed once a week or something like that. So then you're cutting down on the bad oil that is. Uh, in which the process food and, and plus the, then you just have something to like look forward to it's not like you're cutting it out of your life because yeah. that's not really going to last you don't need to yeah not going to last um, yeah anjali you had you were going to say something. no one uh, trick at least this is what i've learned by actually baking uh, different things i realize how much butter and sugar go into each product and now i've really cut down on baking cookies <laughs> even though maybe i don't yeah. need to lose weight but it looks really unhealthy putting that much butter so i have to move to maybe a sponge cake or baking less of that also and you know absolutely, absolutely. definitely cut out you know very things good. like very good thing. point <laughs> things very like good that. point Yeah. That's so, so true, you and cook, also you see exactly what you're yeah putting in. Yeah, and like even I think during the pandemic, a lot of people were making banana bread or like mm-hmm. actual bread. Like making yeah. your own bread yeah. is such a great way to actually avoid um, the very very processed version of bread that you can that you end up buying. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people yeah. say that brown yeah. bread is a farce. You can make your own brown bread. You just need an oven. You can and make your own restaurant food. Really, everything, yeah. and you. that yeah. the oil is adding to the taste so you realize yeah. or of course you can support your local bakery and that's probably <laughs> yeah. also a great way yeah uh all right so now we come to uh you know anjali's time to shine this is like the <laughs> the part where everyone is sort of hanging on with bated breath uh which is what are some long term actually you know what before this let's take care of the other question which is about the treatments Yeah. Um so first let's talk about the curative stuff and then move on to the preventive stuff. Uh what treatments can you try out for skin darkening and hair removal? And then when I say hair removal I mean like of course the unwanted uh hair growth the hirsutism yeah, that are. Yeah. Uh, so yeah Anjali what do you have to say about this? Uh so unwanted hair the best thing is laser hair removal. uh this depends on again it depends on your age so a teenager may not have the finances the budget really to go for laser hair removal uh they may be extra conscious of that thick hair on the chin and you know visible areas of course so for a teenager um i'd say first an assessment is important so definitely you know if you're a teenager then you should go to the doctor to the different specialties okay so along with the gynecologist go to the dermatologist and figure out if there is some hormonal um you know imbalance that's going on that maybe you need to treat with medication and then after that you can think about removing hair the way that you want to so um shaving is completely harmless it will not make your hair grow out thicker so this is the most basic kind of management okay um like you can't really afford laser and you can't and you don't want to do waxing and those things are painful they cause uh, boils in growth those kinds of problems pigmentation also burns so you could just actually shave your hair on the face and on the body those that's perfectly safe okay and you can do it as often as you want to it's not going to grow out thicker okay 
that's the first thing. The second thing is you can choose to wax, you can choose to epilate. Both of them pluck it out from the root, right? So that's a little painful. And there's a chance of you getting a little bacterial infection into the, you know, the root every time. So these are just the cosmetic management. Um, you can tweeze, you can thread, you can bleach. That's all perfectly fine from the cosmetic aspect. And uh, the permanent management would be the laser hair removal. So uh, laser hair removal takes a, around six sessions for permanent reduction in the abnormal hair growth. Okay. Uh, I would recommend that if you have like really thick hair on the chin area, on the jawline, you know, parts where you uh, feel are cosmetically a little stress, uh, stressful. So uh, do not go for a laser treatment without doing your hormone, hormonal assessment first, because there's a good chance it will recur or it may even grow back thicker at times. And then you're going to just be distressed again because you spend so much money. Laser hair treatment is not very cheap, right? And you, it takes months to get that done. So uh, make sure you're first assessed and then you can carry on with the laser hair removal. Um, try to um, go to a doctor who has a, a diode laser, a good laser, um, not just, you know, don't go to a salon to get laser hair, uh, you know, hair removed. Uh, because it can backfire you because they don't know have the medical backing right so they don't really know what they're doing there are lots of salons nowadays in every city which offer really cheap rates for laser hair removal so never do that okay um, and it takes time so if you've been assessed properly and um, discussed with your doctor the practical uh, outcome of the laser hair removal which is usually about maybe 80 percent reduction in the hair growth Okay, don't expect completely smoothing. So the hair, the number of hair will reduce. The thickness of each hair will also reduce, but you may have to go once in every few months for like a touch-up laser hair removal, or you may have to do a, more than six sessions, you know, if your hormones are still, you know, fluctuating and it grows back. Or again, post-pregnancy, post-delivery, again, you may have, you know, hair sprouting out. So all these hormonal changes in life will again cause regrowth. So you have to know all the practical aspects before you go ahead with the laser hair removal treatment. But uh, but it's a it's quite a satisfactory treatment overall. Right. But someone has just asked, should laser hair removal only be done once the hormonal balance has been restored? Uh, not restored once you're assessed. So once you're diagnosed, maybe, or once uh, the doctors understand what the pathology, underlying pathology is, or what the probable cause for the hair growth is, like it's PCOS, or it's some adrenal cause of your hair growth, your prolactin is high, something like that. Then once they start the treatment, you go ahead with your laser hair removal. That's fine. You will need more sessions than normal. Like, you know, so suppose someone goes for your underarm laser hair removal. Okay. Uh, I mean, not underarm. Okay. Suppose I want to remove the sideburns. Okay. And I don't have any hormonal problem. I require four to six sessions once a month each. Yeah. But if you have PCOS and you may uh, need eight sessions or 10 sessions, you may need after six months, you'll need another session, you know, after full treatment. So, yeah. so just expect longer, more sessions. That's it. Yeah. The... The other aspect is the skin, the skin pigmentation and the skin darkening. Yeah. Uh, so not many creams can really help with that. Unfortunately, the neck pigmentation, because it's actually a thickening of the skin. It's not a pigmentation of the skin. So like we see, it's a velvety appearance. The skin is actually thick. So the condition itself is called acanthosis. Acanthosis means thick, thickening of the skin. So it's because it's that thick that it looks pigmented, it looks dark. So there are some creams, again, I won't suggest creams just like that without, you know, they are prescription creams. So these prescription creams contain retinoids. Uh, they may create, uh, contain a mild steroid sometimes. They may have a little bit of glycolic acid also in them. So I would suggest you visit a skin specialist so they can prescribe according to the severity of your, you know, your pigmentation. And again, some creams are not allowed 
to, uh, should not be used in the underarms, but they're safe to use for the neck because the underarm skin is thin. So you can't use things like retinoids. You must not use things like steroid creams down there. Some acids may, you know, cause a little irritation in your skin down there. So it depends on each part of the body. So, um, but uh, a combination of these creams that can be used along with, again, the weight loss, the weight reduction helps automatically with improving that pigmentation over there. Unfortunately, scrubbing and all those things don't work at all. Right. Okay. Uh, and then we can talk a little bit about the long-term hair and skin things that can be done, uh, which are, you know, uh, for PCOS. And just like, are there makeup products that one should opt for? Or is there a particular skin routine that you recommend for people with PCOS? Skin and hair. There's no uh, PCOS category of skin, uh, you know, type of skin really. So you may have oily skin or you may have dry skin. So it's according to your skin type individually, okay? Um, so uh, just have a face wash, a moisturizer and uh, sun protection is ideal, especially if you're dealing with pigmentation and all. And, um, and uh, get treated if you have acne to prevent permanent acne marks and scars. That's all I, I would say. So uh, again, depending on where you live, the type of face wash you use would change. You know, like if you're living in a humid place, you'd use an, um, face wash for oily skin, for acne prone skin, a foaming face wash, something like that. If you're in a really cold place or in winter season, you would try to use the uh, gentle cleansers that you have for a face wash. Okay? Um, for moisturizers, there are moisturizers for oily skin. There are some gel moisturizers. There are thicker moisturizers. Uh, so there, uh, there, there are a variety of products to choose from. So I'm not going to name any right now. So just a, a routine cleansing of your skin. You don't need to use a toner. Okay, You just need to face, use a face wash to get the, you know, the, uh, the, basically the grease and the oil off the face, um, moisturizer and uh, sunscreen, regular use of sunscreen. And now if you have acne, then go and get treated for acne as soon as possible. So uh, they'll give you an acne cream, they'll give you an antibiotic tablet maybe, or vitamin A medication for acne. That's, that's it really. Yeah. Do you have any uh, suggestions about preventive care around these symptoms? Preventive care for... Uh, okay, for the hair at least, uh, you can, uh, vitamin supplements and, uh, you know, a balanced diet help, uh, you know, your, the thickness of the hair. And uh, I have seen very often that, you know, just a three month course of a vitamin B12 supplement and just a good diet itself can, you know, uh, has visible changes in the thickness of the hair. So people do notice that the quality of the hair improves in just, you know, just three months of taking care of your diet and with just a good vitamin B12 supplement. Um, that's uh, stress again affects the hair fall. So uh, you have to manage your stress, you know, with uh, all your other techniques like uh, like yoga, or exercise, uh, de-stressing, <laughs> things like that. For the skin, uh, preventive is just sun protection, moisturizing and cleansing, nothing else. You can use makeup. I mean, it, it depends on your skin type. So you have to choose your products. Okay. So it's probably a better idea to talk to a dermatologist Yes, it's <laughs> according to your skin type. You can't really prevent the abnormal hair growth sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. It just happens. And then it doesn't go away just by treating PCOS. You have to deal with it. Then. Okay. So yeah. this, then we have to talk about, you know, supplements. And I'm sure Pooja has a lot of insights on this in terms of, like you said earlier, there's B12, there's D, there's iron. But uh, are there, is there really any benefit in having supplements that are like in the pill form, rather than just sort of having a healthy, balanced diet? 
Uh, so, yes, uh, for supplements, I would say that um, they come very handy if you have a deficiency. So, for example, if you have a vitamin D deficiency, then uh, a supplement can be a lifesaver for you because you can have uh, symptoms like depression, fat excessive fatigue, um, pain in your bones, uh, massive hair loss uh, just because of vit low vitamin D levels. And in that case, uh, you know, even if you sit in uh, and take sun exposure, it's not really going to affect uh, your body very quickly, in which case supplements come really handy and they can be like literally save your life. Uh, similarly with iron as well, um, if the iron levels are really, really low, then supplements would be the, you know, will save, save you uh, from all the havoc that it is creating. Um, but yeah, supplements, like they are called supplements, they just supplement your main, uh, you know, food. So just use that as a as something which contributes as a uh, to your main um, food, but the main supplementation or the nutrition should come from your meals, from the way you are eating, uh, and how you are digesting. Um, because um, if your digestion is hampered and you are too stressed and too anxious all the time, and you are not sitting down and eating your meal properly, uh, then the the food will not get it will get digested, but it will not get absorbed and assimilated by your body. So similarly, the same thing applies to supplements as well. You can have the best supplements in the world, which are very good quality. But if you are an anxious person and it's too much stress in your body, and, the, and then uh, most of it will go down uh, without helping you much. So it's important that your stress levels are low and you're eating properly. Uh, you know, main meal, uh, your main food becomes the place from where you get your maximum nutrition from. And if there's a deficiency, obviously supplements will, will come into play. Uh, and again, the other thing about supplements is that uh, do not take them yourself. Do not take the ones which are available just over the counter because uh, dosage becomes really important. So you might be thinking that I'm taking a vitamin, um, you know, a multivitamin which has, you know, everything in it. It has vitamin A, it has B, it has, you know, uh, D as well. Uh, but if you look at the, uh, the dose, the dose will be actually a micro dose. It will not do anything to you if you were taking you're taking that multivitamin because it's so low that it will not really help. So if your levels are very low, then you need to um, ask a specialist to give you the right high dose of B12, uh, vitamin D or magnesium, whatever is required. Uh, you can't just self-select yourself and pick and choose whatever you feel like taking uh, because you've heard that it is good for you. So you need to speak to someone, make sure that the dosage is correct. And the third thing very important about supplements is that supplements should be taken only for three months and not more than that. It can become toxic for your body. So vitamin, whether it's vitamin C or whether it's vitamin D, please take it only for three months and after that, um, just leave it. Um, so in a year, if you are looking to supplement yourself with vitamin D because you have a general tendency of becoming low always, then do it for three months and then leave it for another next nine months. So that way, you know, it will flush out of any tox. If it is building any toxicity in your body, it will flush out of the system. So uh, no supplements beyond uh, three months, even if it's a multivitamin. That's what I would say. I think uh, that is such an important piece of information that you've shared because everyone hears the role of supplements in PCOS and just lifting overall health. And I have never heard this before about the multivitamin so I'm really happy that you shared this. It, it really is important. Is there any role in supplements that supplements can help with in terms of uh, an ovulation or like irregular periods? 
Uh, yeah, so um, I mean, uh, I think Dr. Ankesh can talk about myo-inositol, which actually works really well with uh, improving your egg quality and also promoting your ovulation process. Um, that has worked really well, um, if, especially if you have an insulin issue and your insulin levels are high, then uh, myo-inositol can be a very good supplement, which is a precursor to uh, uh, B, uh, vitamin B complex. So you take that, then that really helps in, in improving the egg quality and also improves fertility rates as well. So that is something which is quite uh, helpful. In regulation of periods, uh, I think vitamin C, vitamin D really helps. Omega-3 is also amazing, uh, which is something that everybody should have. Um, you know, maybe have it for three months. You, everybody should have it because we, we don't take that much um, omega-3 through, through diet anyway. Um, other than that, um, I would say there is a herb called chest berry, which is uh, very, very popular for regulating your period. It improves your progesterone levels. And mostly PCOS is a low progesterone problem, like Dr. Akish said. So uh, taking chestberry uh, supplement, it's a herb, it's a chestberry extract. Uh, that is uh, one of my favorite herbs uh, to take to regulate your period. Wonderful. Uh, Dr. Ankesh, would you like to add to that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I already, uh, first of all, I'm glad to be back. I was off for two minutes. So uh, ideally speaking, I'm a huge fan of myo-inositol. So Basically, now this is the most uncomplicated, easy, non-side effect prone treatment of PCOS. It's so, so safe. It only has pros, no cons according to me. So basically, we give the drug in various combinations. There's myo-inositol with, the, with another drug called D-chiro-inositol with chromium and vitamin D3. Now, there are various companies that are marketing all of this together. Plus, if you have insulin resistance, they're even combining metformin over here. So it's metformin, myo, D-chiro, vitamin D3, chromium. They throw in some other multi multivitamins over there. And it's a really good tablet to have before meals or whatever. Depending on your insulin levels, you can have it once a day, twice a day. What do I say about the advantages? It's like an ovarian multivitamin for the OV. Like uh, ovarian egg quality, ovarian blood supply, the, even chromium and vitamin D3. You get some tablets which even have uh, melatonin in it, which improve the melatonin count, which is very good for the... PCOS point of view and the fertility. Uh, so this is a very, very important drug, which I would say if you see a, a large ovary, a PCO ovary, and you have even two out of the five symptoms, like irregular period, weight gain, androgenic symptoms, very good. Plus in certain studies in Europe, I've even read that myo reduces the androgen levels. So again, very good. In fact, uh, there was a scare in the middle that uh, if the androgen levels go too down, again, it, it's not good for fertility. You require a certain amount of androgen levels in the body for even fertility in women. So uh, some were some, some saying don't give it an excessive amount, but it rarely happens with the dosages we get. An important thing I want to add over here that many companies market it, but uh, you have to only give it to a ratio, give it in the ratio of 40 is to 1. That is myo to d is 40 is to 1. You can't just give myo NS at all and just you know hope for miracles. So the ratio is 40 is to 1 and you should have any other uh, vitamins like D3, uh, chromium and B12 in that same uh, combination. And it's excellent for PCO. And uh, again, with metformin, I would say it's uh, one of the dream uh, supplement combinations for PCOT. It's excellent. I, I can't say anything more. Uh, before we move off the topic of uh, supplements, there's a question here that is, can vitamin B12 and iron supplements and vitamin D be taken without specific prescriptions or consultations? I'll tell you why you should not take iron supplements without consulting. Uh, so there are a lot of genetic um, hemoglobin, uh, genetic conditions like, you know, like a mild thalassemia or uh, various, uh, 
you know genetic variations through the indian population with uh, people who have a, real, a low hemoglobin um, genetically okay so uh, you can overload yourself with iron it may not actually be productive so you have to it's it's always better to get a basic blood test done your complete blood count which tells you all the parameters you know of your blood cells and get a do- doctor to actually tell you whether you need iron first of all whether it will help you or not because sometimes you could be overloading yourself and uh, if you take uh, vitamins like you know if you just take b12 without checking what your hemoglobin what your other again if you have a b12 deficiency it can kind of uh, change the reports later once you do the blood test later then the doctor won't be able to figure out whether you had an iron deficiency anemia or whether you know what what your levels were really so it's better Got to it. always get a baseline test done before you take these things so it's always better to just take these always. with someone who is qualified to judge your yeah, history yeah, and... especially like uh, these genetic uh, variations you know in your uh, yeah i don't know the term for it i'm not getting the term for it, but they're more common than you think in yeah. various parts of india you know yeah so okay so we have our last question for the day and uh, before that we're just going to quickly go over some of the audience questions that uh, haven't already got answered a lot of them have uh one question that came in is uh, and dr ankesh if you could speak about this what is the role of amh in diagnosing pcos pcod uh, it's, uh, it's rubbish it's not rubbish. Uh, sorry sorry i using such language again this is the health checkup packages this is uh, amh is the test for fertility it's a test for ovarian egg quality and egg count ovarian reserve count mm-hmm. in hindi maa banne ki shamta if a girl walks into my cabin at the age of 19 and i see a panel a thick panel of uh, a very fancy lab with blood test showing amh level i just don't know what to say you know i'm i'm quite disgusted Sorry. about this but i can't be i can't be uh, you know animated about it on this panel amh is only and only important when you are planning fertility amh level will be very high in pco women because pcos has a larger ovary with larger amount of eggs and amh is anti mullerian hormone which is released from the granulosa cells of the uh, follicles in the ovary now if the amh is high in pcos it's normal it's understood she's supposed to have a high pcos but if the amh level is low in pcos i would expect this girl to have an issue in her fertility in the future she might require ivf some form of treatment over here now forget about pcod for a minute if a girl at the in a in a in a late 20s or early 30s has a low amh she might require egg freezing or oocyte cryo preservation because uh, you know because if you have a dropping amh which is under 1.5 or 2 at such a young age then eventually you might require ivf also with that so my only request over here is don't do amh unless you are a infertility patient with pcos that's that's where it matters and then you, you're looking to get pregnant and you're yeah. interested in the short term got it i'm thinking about late pregnancy maybe i'll, I'll be frank with you an amh value amh test is minimum rupees 1400 rupees in a in a decent lab in mumbai she's already spending on the diet and the myoanesetol and metformin and the kinec checkups and ultrasound spare her the horror don't do unnecessary tests only do it if she's looking for fertility that's all i i hope that answers uh, the question for the few people that have asked about this uh, the the other question we have is about nutrition and i really want this to be addressed actually uh, by pooja Uh, is it necessary to cut down sugar and jaggery during pcos phase uh, not necessarily i mean if you if you do not have an insulin issue then why would you cut down on sugar um, you know mm. it's an insulin driven thing if it is coming from insulin you have high insulin problem you have a 
um, high blood sugar levels, then obviously uh, you become, you are somewhere in the pre-diabetic zone. And, uh, and so, you know, it, it would definitely be required that you reduce your sugar consumption and processed food and things like that. It, it makes perfect sense. But if you're someone who's thin um, and has all uh, regular periods, like we had seen in the other case, and you have act, the only problem that you're facing is a lot of acne and a hair fall and things like that, then uh, sugar might not be the reason for, for your PCOS. So yeah, just cutting down sugar, uh, I don't think so, it will, will solve the problem. Uh, if it is not because of insulin. So you need to figure out if it is because of insulin or not, first of all. Uh, if it is an insulin, insulin issue, then definitely uh, everything around sugar has to be managed. Uh, slow uh, sugar releasing foods is what you have to eat uh, and um, make sure that you're eating, uh, you're not snacking between meals because every time you eat, you release insulin. So uh, keep, uh, keep a gap of three to four hours between meals uh, so that there's not less insulin getting released in the body. Got it. I, I hope that's helpful to a lot of people here. Uh, we have two last questions which I'm going to club, which are about OC pills. Um, and that is, someone says that they were diagnosed with lean PCOS in their teens and never had regular periods. And they would not get their period and have se se severe acne. And uh, I have been on OC since then, and I'm in my late 20s now. Uh, even though my doctor said that I could have it till I wanted to have a child. Now, the minute I try to get off the OCs, I don't get my period and I get severe cystic acne. Is there a way to get off OCs? I have a very good lifestyle. I exercise and eat well. What would you say to this? Also, so if you feel something other than PCOS, I'm just wondering, maybe she needs to get her other hormones evaluated too. Okay. What does Dr. Ankesh say? Like... Now, if the hormones which you do in the PCOS profile are normal, I put my hands up. I would refer to a dermat and, you know, I would wish them the best over there as far as the acne and hair growth go. But uh, many girls get pimples during their PMS. I've seen one patient who gets a typical acne spot during her PMS and the remaining time of the month, she's clear. So, see, I don't think a gynec should handle this if the hormones are okay. You should go to a doormat. It could be other hundred causes of acne. Why just blame? Yeah, and I feel, and I would, I, I would just also refer to an endocrinologist sometimes because sometimes you do have very high testosterone levels. Everything else is fine. I think it's up to them because they do have some other, you know, they think of other things as well. You may need an adrenal scan. You may need several different things. You may need an MRI of the brain for your pituitary. These things are what endocrinologists deal with, you know. So it's not only the gynecologist and the dermatologist. Sometimes you do need other hormones, uh, hormonal evaluation and treat the pimples anyway, treat your acne, treat your hair fall. Don't wait for that because hair fall, hair thinning is progressive. So always treat the symptoms anyway. And uh, in her case, definitely. And I think if, uh, if it is a thin PCOS and the hormones are okay, then it could be a gut issue as well. So there could be a issue with chronic uh, constipation or IBS and things like that. So that, that also yeah. then starts showing up in the form of severe acne. So once you fix the stomach, then it starts, it, it basically helps in clearing up the skin as well. So maybe that's probably the place where she needs to look into. Okay. Um, all right. And uh, okay. So now I think we just want to talk about this last question, which is what advice um, would all three of you have 
um, with coping with stress and PCOS. And I'm sure each of you will give like a different perspective given that you're speaking from a different specialization. Uh, but before that, I'm just gonna stop sharing and also take a moment to just share all of your, uh, you know, uh, personal, I mean, professional in, uh, handles and the place where people can actually follow all of you because uh, I feel like that would be uh, important to do before we get to the final thing. And uh, yeah, in I, I see a lot of questions on the chat that are really, really specific. And I would urge all of you to maybe uh, speak to these professionals, um, you know, like for individual sessions. Um, so yes, we've also shared uh, the information for the next session that we're having. And I feel like Dr. Ankesh, I'm going to send you an invitation for this one because it's going to be about non-marital sex. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to have, <laughs> we're going to have a psychologist. Uh, Dr. Renuka, a member of our team, speak about this along with a sexuality educator and a psychologist uh, just to discuss, you know, like what is the stigma and how can one really be prepared? Uh, but yeah, the last question is actually about stress and is about, I mean, we've discussed what it does to cause PCOS and exacerbate it. But what advice would you give to people? You all deal with people who have PCOS all the time. Uh, what is the little bit of advice that you'd like to give them um, to cope with this? Who should start? Okay, so for this, uh, <laughs> I think we should have Anjali start first and then Pooja <laughs> and of course, Dr. Ankesh. Okay, from so I'm dealing with the skin, the hair, the, the psychological impact also because I've been through it myself, right? I mean, I've been through the horrible teenage years when I had all those issues to just deal with. So, um, so I first, I say, give it time. You need a lot of time to see the response on, you know, reflect in your skin and hair. If you're taking treatment, that is, if you're not uh, actually going and getting targeted treatment, then you may not see any response in your skin and hair. Okay. So without targeted treatment, don't expect your acne to disappear. It's not going to disappear. It's just normal. Sometimes the acne, I mean, acne is also normal, right? Due to your normal hormones. So especially in PCOS, it's not going to go by itself just with a good diet and those kinds of, you know, the lifestyle changes. You need to treat your acne and you need to treat your thinning of hair. Give it time, at least three to six months for acne and at least six months to one year for your hair. So you have to be patient and you have to, you have to be, you know, willing and motivated to stick to that routine. So it's a little bit about the discipline and um, yeah, uh, sticking to a routine and uh, dealing with the stress. And, you know, again, it's, it's all about a routine, I feel. So that helps uh, as, you know, Pooja would probably say, would she would agree again with your diet, with your sleep. It's mainly about that routine. And if you find that if you are a little more disciplined in that aspect, um, it helps to, yeah, treatment works a little better you're able to manage a little better. Right, so perhaps the crux of that would be to be patient. Yeah, in uh, my, yeah, uh, for skin be and hair, informed, yes. Well-informed and patient. And okay. go seek treatment for specific problems. Don't sit at home and say, I'm trying my home remedies for acne, it's not going to work out. So yeah, don't wait for your hair to become really thin. Go and seek treatment for it anyway. Okay, so to be open to asking for help. That's also, I think, really important. Yeah, don't try to figure it all out by yourself. That's why we're all here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Pooja, what would you say? Yeah, I think stress is a big factor. Like I said, it, it feeds into your period issues and stuff very, very quickly. So uh, it's important that you have a, like a disciplined lifestyle. And I completely agree with Anjali that um, your hair will take, um, 
you know because mm. it's a you know you're correcting yourself from at a blood level so if you're changing your nutrition you're changing your you're taking supplements that is not immediately going to show effect um, that tomorrow your hair starts falling no at um, you know at a cellular level it, when it starts making a change that's when in 4 to 5 months you'll see a change in your skin and hair so you have to be patient um, it's it's not because you what you're trying to do is you have to see what you're trying to do are you trying to fix the symptom or you're trying to fix the root cause if you're working on the root cause it's going to take time um but the bo- body is actually quite vital and it wants to become vital it has its own intelligence of uh, finding its balance so the moment you start doing right things with it in terms of uh, you know sleeping on time getting up on time uh, eating the right food and keeping the stress levels down by doing a little bit of pranayam and yoga the body is going to f- recover uh, unbelievably qu- quickly actually you see changes very very quickly so because we you know when when i say that when you have these symptoms showing up on your face on your hair and things like that it's basically the body screaming for help the moment you hold it and start giving it the nourishment that it needs and the care that it needs it becomes vital very quickly it's almost waiting to become vital so uh, don't lose hope uh, do the right things do the basic things like really don't have to uh, have something very extraordinary on the plate it's something very basic sleep on time uh, exercise move uh and eat eat the right thing um that is good for you a uh, good homemade food you cannot go wrong with that uh, stop your deliveries stop your packaged food and that's it and um and uh, do like what anjali was saying that you know go to a a, a specialist to get the treatments and because there's some excellent treatments i'm i'm like so amazed at how advanced dermatology has become and what amazing treatments are there now which can treat your acne and they can just disappear and so yeah not expensive necessarily yeah yeah it's amazing like yeah you just seek out seek out for people and there's so much information on instagram itself to just look for pcos and you'll have loads of information uh so yeah and again it's uh, specific to a specific individual so something might work for one person might not work so you have to do a little bit of trial and error that might take some time but then you would know what works for me and what doesn't work for me and i think you'll reach a good space uh, very soon yeah so i think your uh, advice can also be summed up in getting back to one's roots and yeah. keeping like things simple and also loving and de-stressing yourself yeah. both physically and mentally um, yeah i really like uh, the the main train of thought that has flowed through uh, what you've brought to this conversation um, pooja is that you can't trick your body into thinking that it's not stressed out Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. a very big takeaway. Like this, like you know, if your body chemistry is like this, this is stress. Let it be like this. Just see how your you feel when you let yeah. go of things, let go yeah. of expectations, let go of oh, this treatment is not going to work. It's going to work. Just yeah. relax. It's fine. So the moment you do go from this to this, mm. your chemistry changes and the vitality comes back because it's yeah. all about stress, right? uh whether it's it's a perceived threat or it is actual threat it's actually body speaking it up as as a same as a threat yeah, yeah yeah true so dr ankesh what would you suggest as the piece of advice that you would give to people um coping with stress and pcos hey now everyone has a different threshold to stress everybody has a different perception you can't tell a person to calm down they know they have to calm down they want to it's about how to calm down so again you know Uh, talking about your friends talking about it to your doctor your gynecologist with your families your uh, siblings your spouse maybe depending on what age you are one is that 
but knowing that PCOS has a much bigger picture, you know, it's not just about the weight gain, acne, irregular periods. You have to get it sorted for a better future. Now, let's say someone's having PCOS at the age of 17, 18, 21, but they want to eventually 10 years later have a family, get married. So I've seen patients with untreated or poorly treated PCOS have recurrent miscarriages, have to undergo IVF, IVF complications, IVF failures, hyperstimulation, abnormal embryos, they can have recurrent pregnancy failures, recurrent abortions. Also, this happens in the this happens in their in their late twenties and early thirties. It's not easy to bounce back from all this. Having delayed periods, scanty periods, things like that. You know, they really could harm your mental health and harm you. You know, in the long term. So you have to be explained about the possible consequences in the future when you're 30, 40. We've had patients who had PCOS treated, untreated, got pregnant, but they didn't tackle their obesity, insulin. They developed severe diabetes, obesity, hypertension. It's called the metabolic syndrome. So, you know, it's, it can harm you at every phase of life. So getting treated earlier is better. The metabolism of the body is best under 30. If you can get tackled by then. If you don't tackle this beyond uh, below after 30 and you let it go and your diet is still the same and you don't get serious about it to pull your socks up, it's downhill from there. And... You know, we see we see these comparison charts of uh, people before and after and their pictures, like, you know, many, many images of fitness uh, pages and many uh, dietitian put up pictures. I think it's fantastic. It's inspiring. If, if you can inspire somebody by looking at multiple pictures of people who have lost weight from like, say, you can say 90 kgs to 60 kgs over a course of a year and a half with workout, exercise and all the regimens. Like uh, Dr. Uh, like Anjali and Pooja said, go on to Instagram and get information. There's a lot more. It's about getting inspired and maintaining consistency. Now, why do we like Virat Kohli more than Shikhar Dhawan? Why do we like someone like that? Because of consistency. They go out and make a good 50 or 75 in every match. You can't make a 200 one day and go to sleep for three years. No, you can't do that. It's about playing little, little every day, being consistent, being honest. Even if you can't work out, it's okay if you miss your workout. Don't miss your exercise. Don't miss your diet. What I mean to say is don't, don't, don't splurge and go crazy because it's Diwali or because it's your birthday. You have to be serious and do this every day. And I think the regular choices, the regular habits make us what we are. That's all. That's very true. Thank you so much. Uh, honestly, all three of you, this has been a really wonderful session. I, I was really excited about it yesterday when we spoke, but um, just really just the kind of similar vision or the similar list of priorities that you have shared is really wonderful. I have actually shared the three uh, top tips that each of you has shared uh, on the chat if anyone's interested um yeah thank you so much uh, puja anjali and ankesh for taking the time out and really having this conversation and uh, just for everyone's benefit um we actually will be sharing this recording as a podcast so i will share it with everyone on um, the email since you guys have registered and in the chat you will find a link to a support group that uh, proactive is sort of running to help deal with this and personally like it just helps to have friends um all these things that uh, dr ankesh and puja and anjali are speaking it really helps with patients and all of that but thank you thank you um really for really educating me also i learned so much today um it was great thank you i will be sharing the podcast details with uh, everyone including the speakers yes any chance you can send the video file, you can share it as an IGTV. People will only watch it as an IGTV. It's got big. Yeah. Problems. 
yeah i'd i'd actually have to break it up because it's more than 1 hour long but i'd Maybe definitely do that yeah and as an igtv people would watch it more often i feel on your page you know, dr ankesh you are the influencer that people should be following <laughs> not all the negative body image uh, professionals but i have to say <laughs> sorry sorry anjali you were going to say something no Oh, okay no but yes please follow uh, puja and anjali and ankesh on instagram they really have a lot of great content and they just make you feel better about yourself and uh, yeah thank you everyone thank you so much yeah. thank you good night everyone and if anyone has any questions Bye, please feel free uh, to reach out you know to me i'm sorry that we couldn't take all the live questions uh, there were a lot <laughs> but yeah okay bye bye Thank you Rashi very well coordinated thank you thank you thank you so much bye. yeah bye bye, bye.